Welcome to American Soccer Analysis. I'm Harrison Crow, and I'm going to be joined shortly here by Ian. He'll be my partner in these uh, upcoming podcasts. Uh, today, we're going to talk Justin Miram and the Columbus Crew, the problems with the New York Red Bulls, a few thoughts on super subs, how that affects my fantasy team, both in the short and long run. We'll, lastly, we'll talk about some transfer gossip, some of the players that are, could be coming in, maybe a few that might be leaving, and we'll give you the, our thoughts. All right, American Soccer Analysis. Wither needs boom, bad height. golfer no i've played golf um i was for like a year of my life and i thought well this is like the worst thing i could spend money on (laughs) you know and you play and you go like you look at your scorecard at the end of the day and you're just like okay so i was 32 above par that's not great uh for one 18 hole round <laughs> but there's always this one you're, part you're, sti- you're still better than me like if you're 32 you're still like light years ahead of me so yeah i know everyone i play with was just as bad i mean it wasn't that i was i was i was sticking out but even after you have that like plus 32 what you'll remember like an hour after the game is that one awesome shot you had where you just rolled it right up next to the cup and you're just like man that's it i'm I'm done with everything else. I'm devoting my life to golf. I'm meant to go professional now. I can tell. And <laughs> you forget like just a hundred other bad things that happened that would have, you know, eliminated you from any competition whatsoever. And you're like that, that's representative of my round and my skill as a golfer. So <laughs> eventually I gave it up. No, I think that that's no, my father-in-law really loves, really loves to play. Um, and the greatest thing that could have happened to me is the fact that my father-in-law has refused to get surgery on his knee, <clears throat> so he can't really play golf. So now um, you don't have to go so play now, golf. So now I don't have to do like that courtesy thing. Like, great guy. Uh, yeah. You know, he's always very encouraging. Yeah. And I think that's the worst type of person you go golfing with. Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, especially people that try to help. That's yeah. That's not great. I don't want tips. I want commiserations. Like if I like throw my club and declare this whole thing to be. Uh, you know, nonsense and uh, not fair and impossible. I want people to go, yeah, you're right. This is stupid. It's so hard. Not to be like, well, <laughs> but your hips weren't straight. We talked about that. <laughs> Screw my hips. It, yeah, it, yeah. It's obviously the ball. And you know the what? Ball, it's broken. this game. It's stupid. This club's and... bent or something, I think. I like <laughs> look down the shaft. I'm pretty sure this club's warped. That must be what's going on here. Uh, yeah. So... We're back uh, podcasting. Um, we're going to try to do this. You're going to try to be my PIC here, and we're going to try to do this on some semi-regular basis. I think we discussed like every two weeks we'd put something out or something like that. Yeah, that seems like enough. I don't think that, people want to hear that much from us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I think it's reasonable to fit into our schedules. Yeah. So like the first item of, of discussion was uh, Justin Miram. You really wanted to talk about Justin Miram. And I'm assuming, and I put it in, in the notes, that like Justin Miram for MVP, I assume like you're going to wave this gigantic Justin Miram flag uh, 
you know, right next <laughs> to like man, I... like Andrew Weeby is gonna be right there, right aside, you know, with his like hand on your shoulder. I don't know. Oh man, me and Andrew Weeby standing together on something would be amazing. Um, Justin Miram, sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, serious, I really, I, 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 he's kind of surprised me a little bit this year. Uh, I, I, I think he's obviously. Uh, been one of the most effective players in the year, seven goals, four assists, um, and doing it, you know, with the Columbus crew, and they would be very, very hard off without him at this point. Uh, seems kind of silly to, like, pick an MVP this early in the year, but I think he's got as much of a right in that conversation as anybody else. Well, I mean, yeah, like, let's totally give away, you know, <laughs> these awards much, much earlier than what, yeah. what is necessary. Let's, that's kind of the fun thing about uh, conjecture, right? Right, yeah, and then if uh, I mean, you know, he's got Ola, you know, just on his team, who's got seven goals as well, and uh, is he that guy, or is he just the guy that's had the last couple of good weeks? I mean, he's just been really stellar like the past month, so I think we have some like kind of recency bias about Justin Miram right now, and I'm interested to see if he can kind of maintain this going forward. Well, recency bias, throwing that out, I like. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. I mean, guy scores a hat trick, and you know, you just kind of go like, "Man, this guy's really good." And he is, he is, he's fantastic. He's a wonderful player, and Columbus are very lucky to have him. But um, are we still going to be talking about this guy uh, as an MVP come September? I, I, I don't know. I don't see it. Anybody from that Columbus team being in that conversation, really. I, I, I personally have one person that I'd throw in that discussion. Um, but that's, that's just me. So, I mean, again, oh, yeah? bias, um, Ola Kamara, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's my dude. That's your so, guy right there. Yeah. Um, he is keeping well, it up. You know, um, he's not been as good as what he has been last year. And, and, uh, I, I'll be honest. I kind of blame some of that on Justin Merrim and, uh, as players, and you see this like relative to in the NBA and maybe other sports, uh, I see it mostly in the NBA, but you see a player that does really good, so he starts using the ball more, or he he's wants more of it, right? It's that hey, yeah. I'm really good. That hot streak, uh, that yeah, the hot, hot hand the fallacy hot that hand that fallacy. for whatever reasons like perforates their line of vision, and this is all I can see. I'm really good right now. Why don't you just keep feeding me the ball? And I kind of felt that way with Justin Miram, just kind of watching him in the eye test. And then I went back through and his touch percentage really, it's gone up, but it's a, it's gone up in a very minute way that's huh. not necessarily going to, um, that's not necessarily related to the other ones. Now I do kind of wonder that's not necessarily broken down to like final third. I do wonder if he's getting the ball more in the final third rather than dropping back into the midfield and, and bringing the ball up more. But well, yeah, I mean, I, I would, I, thought, I would wonder like if it's like, is he taking is he taking more shots is how I would kind of gauge that bot. Like is he looking to move the ball or is he actually just pulling the trigger more often? Yeah, and, and neither. Really? Yeah, and, and so, I mean, he's getting in better positions and that's about it. And, and which, you know, obviously from, from a scoring pers- perspective, that's really what you want to see. But, yeah, I mean, I kind of figured, you know, Justin Merrim, his unassisted shots um, – Oh, way down. So he's getting he's getting into position and he's not necessarily just, you know, I'm going to pick this ball up at midfield and I'm going to go ball hawking, dribble down the left flank, mm-hmm. cut in on my right foot and then take that shot. Instead, he's working more with his uh, with other players. And, and so that's kind of interesting to see as far as from my perspective. Um, do you think it has anything to do with 
uh, Higayin being more involved again this year, kind of getting a little bit back towards his form. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, it's kind of weird about how he dropped off last year, and he dropped off after Kamara left, mm-hmm. which I never, I've never really pieced together. Like that's something that's just kind of been that itch in my brain that I'm like, I'm not gonna scratch that because I know it's just, it's gonna be that thread that I can't stop pulling on. <laughs> and, I think. I think he last year, or he got in was more of a, I, I don't feel like that guy was, I mean, he battled a lot of, like, little injuries, and then he had kind of a lengthy one. I think he just kind of was never more than, like, 80, 85%. No, it's it, it's incredibly possible. And, and when yeah. you start seeing players like that, of that age, your mind starts to go places that you're not comfortable with, right? Like, <laughs> this could be this could be Iguain's, like, last year. Yeah. I mean, I, not. I... He's been great again this year. Yeah. He still yeah. has so much to offer that team. I, I agree, but at the same time, like that was kind of why I didn't want to go down that road because I didn't want to start saying, "All right, pack it up. We're gonna need <laughs> another ten. Justin Miram, slide on over. Let's mm-hmm. put Cedric out out wide, or in this case, you know, Kakuta Mana, like wh- whomever." Uh, yeah, Columbus is kind of an interesting cat in and of itself because they started out really hot and then they've kind of slowed down, but I guess. They're kind of exactly where I would expect them to be. Maybe not with the same profile of teams in front of them. I kind of thought they'd be better than Orlando, but I think a lot of people thought they'd be better than Orlando. I don't think anybody thought they would be that much better. And Chicago, of course, has kind of been on this roll of late. So, yeah, they're kind of exactly where I thought they'd be, just not in the same condition or context. Yeah, I feel like with Columbus, a lot of the time, I come out of watching a match thinking either, like, this is a fantastic team that, that's going to be, like, a dark horse contender. And then a lot of times I think this is an awful team that shouldn't make the playoffs. And they wind <laughs> up, like, sort of in the middle. I think they're in fifth right now, which is, yeah, just kind of shows that they're sort of averaging those two kinds of things out a lot. They're, they're an interesting team for me to watch. And um, They I, have, I, like, these games that they just – fall apart defensively. Mm-hmm. That's and always it, been, yeah, that's been such an issue for them for a couple of years. It boggles my mind. And the other part of it is the fact that, you know, Columbus is not really having anything to do with Harrison Afol anymore. So what's going on with that? That I do not know. Uh, last year, you know, I think a lot of people would have said this is, you know, one of your top tier uh, fullbacks in the league. And I think so. this year, just kind of not involved at all. And, I know they brought in a couple guys, but are they really going to be better than, than Harrison Awful? Yeah, I, I, it's it's kind of an interesting. Even uh, I think it's Jason Williams or Justin Williams, mm-hmm. one of the one of the Williams <clears throat> that they got back from. He originally was with the with the crew and then went to Toronto for a couple years. Even he's kind of had some spot spot starts. You know, uh, Awful got pulled like what is it at halftime. And a game he, I guess, Berhalter kind of thought he'd given up an easy goal. It was a one nothing game. It wasn't anything bad. It mm-hmm. was early on in the season. I think you and I had ta- have already talked about this, but it was just really odd. And it seems like ever since that day, he's had this really short leash that if he messes up or he has any sort of shortcomings, you know, he he's on the bench again. And it, it's really fascinating. Because, I mean, even Ghana recognizes, you know, this is a guy that's consistently um, in Ghana's squad. Mm-hmm. So you kind of wonder, like, okay, 
Greg Berhalter, who I, I think is a great, um, or at least I've never met him, but just hearing him speak and he, how he selects his teams and how his teams play, I think is a pretty wise person. He also just seems to not, and I know I'm kind of probably speaking just of some some events that stick out in my mind, so maybe this isn't 100% true, but there's definitely a perception that I have that I think a lot of people have that if you get on his bad side, you have a very, very hard time getting off of it. And like once Greg Berhalter kind of decides he's done with you, he's he's done with you. And I wonder if if, if Harrison Offal is, is on is on his naughty list right now. Him and Ethan Finley like played cards late and went out and like had like Sundays after midnight or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they went to the soda shop in Columbus yeah. and they're they like, they went to no. a drive-in and Berhalter yeah. showed up. Was like, you guys are both on the outs now. Um, <laughs> so interesting to see. I mean, you know, you saw like. Once Kai Kamara got to be too big for that, and that he, he's just gone. Uh, Tony Chani, uh, another guy that Perhalter just basically said, no, you're done, and, yeah. and moved him out quickly as he could. Um, so if I were any number of Major League Soccer teams in the market for a good right back, I might uh, give Greg a call. Yeah, you know, they, they had the game against New England this past weekend. It wasn't too bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I really thought they, they had another goal in them. I was really surprised that they ended up losing that game. Mm-hmm. But, excuse me, you turn around and you have Toronto next, uh, this coming week and then followed by Seattle in a couple weeks, uh, or a week after. It's, it's gonna be some tough stuff. I mean, they, they, they've got a couple of really tough short games ahead of them. I don't, I think that we could definitely see them kind of quote-unquote spiral you might see a couple of quick losses and then vice versa you have like Colorado um, you have Montreal coming up you have Atlanta twice so really they got a they got a few easy games sprinkled in with a lot of hard games mm-hmm. and it'll be really interesting to see where they're at um, come out of there because you see some MLS teams we always talk about the game about the Seattle and the LA game teams that fall behind at the early part of the year but there's some teams that fall apart at the early part of the year and they just don't recover. Yeah. And that's, that's, that is a, that's a big difference right there. And, and that is what keeps LA being a, from ever hitting like that bottom spiral right there. It's like, you have to not be, there has to be like a maturity and a confidence there that a lot of teams still manage to maintain if they have a bad run of games um, and kind of a belief in the system. And then there are some teams that just don't have that at all. And I think Columbus can tend to be one of those teams where like, if it, if it gets low, it'll stay low. It's hard to come back from that. So speaking of coming back from it and, and transitioning to our next uh, topic, you, you have a team that sits right below Columbus right now in the standings, and that is the New York Red Bulls. Now, I erroneously and very mistakenly put that they were number one in expected goals. However, that is completely false. I put that in the, right. our liner notes. Yeah, That's right. not true. That yeah. was like three weeks ago, and, yeah. and you know now Seattle, Houston, Columbus all sit in front of them. Um, it, it, suffice to say, they have a really good team, but they're not necessarily the best when it comes to expected goals. I I don't think that they're necessarily as in much trouble as anyone paints this team to be. I mean, let, let's face it. They still got 22 games left. Ian, is there any way in the next 22 games they're going to be able to 
make the playoffs. I think they're going to be okay. I think that there's enough there. Uh, I think any team with such a question on it is going to make the playoffs, just about. And uh, Red Bulls are going to be fine. They're weird. Like, I remember at the beginning of the year, they were so uh, noticeably bad. And we were kind of talking about how, like, ooh, is this the year the bottom kind of falls out? And then quietly, they rushed, like, right back up to the top of the table again. And now they've kind of plateaued once more. They've been having a little tough run of it lately. But this team, there's too much there. They're going to figure it out. They're going to get results at home most of the time. They're going to get three points at home most of the time. They're going to be perfectly fine coming into the year. I mean, they have one of the largest gaps in uh, goals that they've actually scored and expected goals for, which is uh, seven. I mean, 7.6. So they almost have eight difference between uh, eight goals between what they should have scored and and we we say should have you know right. as and you know Would they've either ex- yeah right so they've had either a run of bad luck or they just had a couple of scenarios that just things didn't go the way that we typically see and you might describe that also as luck but you know um i don't think that they're always synonymous with one another that being said i think that this new york team who has one of the best strikers in mls and people consistently, I guess because he doesn't make $6 million, want to put him down. Or I feel like New York's constantly looking to replace him, and I don't know why. I haven't figured that out. <laughs> I think they just want to take some of the burden off of him. Uh, and I get that. You know, If you're looking at a guy that's been scoring this many goals, and you're thinking, okay, well, if Riley Wright Phillips stops scoring goals, then what, what have we got? We've got really nothing else going for us that's gonna that's gonna provide those goals. And I, I get why they're trying to like come up with an addition that they can kind of rely on if, you know, God forbid he gets injured or hits a really rough patch of form or um, you know just something else to give defenses to think about because it's pretty pretty easy to key in on him. And I think one of the things you're seeing this year too, and this is just completely my perception and and, and I don't have any numbers to back it up. So uh, I feel like last year you were seeing. Bradley Wright Phillips, where he would score a lot of his goals, were in these 1v1 situations where he got behind everybody and just had the keeper to beat. And this year, I don't think he's gotten that many of those. He did have a lot of through ball opportunities last year off yeah. of, uh, from Sasha Kleschen. And it, you do have to kind of wonder with Kleschen's uh, production kind of going down, how much that's affected uh, Bradley Wright Phillips. That being said, he does have the fourth amount of shots uh, created inside the penalty area this year. So, I mean, it's not as if that well's dried up and he's no longer finding those placements. Now, mm-hmm. true, um, we kind of use those through balls and the uh, as kind of almost 1v1 proxy scenarios, right? Because yeah. um, we don't necessarily have a schematic with expected goals that says, hey, here's where the defenders are. So the, we all we have is where the shot took place and the direction – that it went. Um, so I mean, it's, there's, there's totally huge portions of this that are missing and we need those to really make really educated decisions. But when you see over time, a player consistently get into those spots, which are advantageous spots Mm -hmm. and they're consistently creating, it's mind boggling that they don't score, especially when they have a pattern in the past. So all you can conclude is, 
they're getting unlucky. Now, maybe that's not the case. Maybe they're get, he's having a lot of shots blocked. Maybe there's a lot of teams, and we saw this kind of with the uh, Whitecaps early on in the season, that are allowing them a huge chunk of possession. That's yeah. not, I mean, that's not necessarily really the Red Bulls game is possession, right? They're, yeah, yeah, they want to hit back. They want to hit back. They want to counter constantly, and they want to take shots as quickly as they possibly can. They want to go from possessing the ball to a good shot to a good high quality shot as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what made them really good the last two years or last year, anyways. Yep. It's true, and uh, it's kind of. I know it's not helpful. Like if 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 Jesse Marsh called me and said, "What's going on?" and I said, "I think you're just getting unlucky." I know it doesn't really help anybody with anything or do anything. So yeah, I would be curious to kind of plot where. Like I don't think that Bradley Wright Phillips is missing the target more often this year. I'm just curious to see like if these are like if these are higher pressure he's under when he's having these chances or if he's uh, actually getting these breakaways, which is what I really think he excels at is getting behind and just getting around the keeper. Um, so maybe I'll do that this week. Maybe I'll look into that. Well, I think that it's funny that you say that because it's I don't ever think of Wright Phillips as being like this quick guy, but yeah. he's he's kind of that com- weird combination of enough speed and enough strength to kind of be that target man mm-hmm. that still beats players off the dribble, which is weird to say. Kind yeah. of is a weird uh, little oddity, but it's true. And as you said, I. I think that there's some sort of connection between him and Kleschen and Kleschen going down mm-hmm. and in overall production numbers. And we're not, not talking about Kleschen um, being bad necessarily, but you can see that there's obviously, at least from an expected goals perspective, he's not creating nearly the, enum- uh, the amount of chances as he was previous. That could also be to the fact that they don't, haven't had anyone all year to really take that pressure off of him. Now that of think, course that of course being said, leading the league in key passes per ninety right now is Sasha Kleschen, still three point two. Uh, right, <laughs> he's pretty sure if I looked at the total right now, it would be significantly higher too. Uh, so I don't I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> this might be a thing where, where, where we need to like actually uh, go through and watch it uh, and see if we can figure it out that way because these numbers seem to show that he's doing okay and he's getting a lot of chances. Yeah, actually, now that you say that, comparing it to last year, and, and let me put my foot in my mouth, um, he actually is producing more key passes now. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, wait, what, what else can you do? Yeah. Um, I do know that, you know, you have Daniel Royer. That's not necessarily what I would can. I don't think of him as somebody that's going to score a lot of goals. I don't think he's, that doesn't make him bad at soccer, right? Like that doesn't mm-hmm. make him a bad choice for the New York Red Bulls. It's just not necessarily what I think of. You know, he, he obviously provides them a lot of uh, width and, uh, you know, they've had a lot of different changeovers. So maybe that's also some, um, some personnel, um, gelling that they're trying to get done. They've added Tyler Adams to that, you know, to that role of Dax McCarty. Uh, so, and I, it, they're changing formation too. So there's a lot of different things possibly at play. I don't know if it's necessarily any one thing. Yeah, and I think I don't think you said it, and it's not – it might be hard, you know, like it, at, at first look to draw the string between Dax McCarthy and goal scoring. But 
I mean, you have to when you look at the difference in the way the team has been. Uh, I think Dax is obviously like the big loss. Oh, without a doubt. But then again, how big of a loss is he? <clears throat> and I think that that's something that is he really, you know, five hundred tam, you know, five hundred thousand tam difference. I mean, really? I don't know. <laughs> so I mean, like the amount that they got back for him, and yeah, yeah. so. This year, yeah, it's going to be a down year. And I don't think anyone within that organization, and they'll say publicly otherwise, but really, do you think Jesse Marsh, you know, in his heart of hearts thought that this season without one of their best players was going to be as good as what it was last year, at least to start? And I, I don't think so. And I think the, the that expectation is completely unrealistic. Mm-hmm. He's got a whole stable of young, very good um, midfielders and central midfielders, you know, Sean Davis as well, um, that I didn't mention earlier, that you're going to be able to throw into that mix and you're going to get something, um, maybe not comparable yet, but you're going to get something that's going to start out very good and very strong and it's only going to get better. Yeah. I mean, you sold your cake for better ingredients, perhaps. And that's kind of a, that's the way of it. There's a lot there to build on. And, and I think long term, I can kind of understand making that move and getting as much value from it as possible. Like obviously Dax wasn't going to be there forever into his fifties playing. So, um, (laughs) though if anyone could do it, I would not put it past Dax McCarty. Uh, but yeah. And then you, you know, you have a guy, you kind of think, okay, you look at Sean Davis and you think this is our guy. This is our replacement. He's going to be our new Dax. He's going to be in there. And then all of a sudden, (laughs) <laughs> he's not your guy anymore <laughs> oh did someone spend all their money in nerd league on sean davis no i spent one dollar on sean davis <laughs> but you're still a little pissed about it yeah i thought he's gonna be my great thought he's gonna be a great value play uh but uh no and i get it i mean you know he, he he definitely i think adams has been better in the time that he's shown there so uh curious to see if that is going to stunt sean davis at all going forward or if uh, eventually it's going to be him and Adams together. I don't know what the plan there is. No, that'll be interesting because I don't see necessarily Sean Davis being that creative type. Yeah, I mean, uh, in that in that Sasha Kleschen role. So you might just have kind of two different, um, you know, one of those luxury of you know and riches scenario to where you're like, hmm, which one am I going to play today? The really good one or the really good one? Hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Give them two and, to look at. Yeah, uh, the only problem is, uh, as you mentioned, as the owner of Sean Davis in our nerd league and as the owner of Tyler Adams in our league, uh, it creates a little bit of problems because now we have to kind of sort out that scheduling crisis as far as like, okay, who's he going to pick this week? And you kind of, as you know, we can't really hedge our bets because you lose out, you can lose out about a good two to eight points easily just yeah. on picking that wrong that wrong player or just even getting a zero there yeah getting a zero man that just that bites it's bad it's bad news it's bad news uh that's the hardest part so far is it's just trying to like uh be very confident in who the coach is going to select because if uh if they don't start and they come on to waste time in like the 92nd minute it's just it's oof. That's gonna, I, that's gonna hurt you. I feel like this. I feel like in soccer, more so than any other fantasy type game, you mm-hmm. have to kind of know, have like a, you know, an inside look into who the coach is gonna go with. Yeah, I mean, like if you pick, I mean, if you're playing fantasy like American football, 
you know, you're going to have like third down guys. You're going to have guys that aren't going to be volume, uh, but you know they're going to be targets on touchdowns, and so you're going to see them get fantasy points that way. Uh, soccer, you're very unlikely to see a guy that's going to come in and touch the ball six to eight times and get a goal. Uh, it's just, you know, like that, that's right. something that you need to have more and more of, and that's why, especially in the way that, you know, you've set up our league, uh, you know, we have so much weight on, on touches and passing and, and things of that nature that just show influence in the game. Well, and, and so we kind of talked about this. I didn't add this to our notes, but like, like the concept of a super sub. Yes. And, and so it, like, if we could totally go off, off this for like, like less than five minutes. All right. That's like, great. Yeah. Uh, like, what do you think of as a super sub in, let's say, MLS, uh, kind of con- construct? Man, uh, I always think of, and this is going, like way back in the day of MLS. And the guy I always think of is a guy that played for the New York, New Jersey Metro stars, who now, uh, last I checked, he was managing the cosmos, maybe not, but, uh, that is a guy named Giovanni Savarese. And I, I think he still is managing. Yeah. Uh, that they're a thing, I think. Yes, maybe. Yeah. It depends <laughs> on which week it is. Yeah. I don't know about the cosmos these days. Uh, yeah, that's the first guy that came to my mind. I thought of MLS super subs, just a guy that was known for coming off the bench. And even in that situation where I just said doesn't happen often, uh, I think that one year, that first year when I was a kid and I watched him play, I think there were like three or four times he came off the bench and like his first touch of the ball, like he just tapped it into the goal. Like he just seemed like a, uh, a this guy that just like had a great instinct for coming in late in the game and kind of picking where the weakness was and sort of just capitalizing on that. And he was a great guy to have on your bench. Alan, Gore- Alan Gordon, Alan Gordon was one I thought of. Yeah, I don't know that Alan Gordon is as accomplished at it necessarily, but he definitely was used like that. Um, and then this year we have in Montreal, Anthony Jackson Hamel, who just got his first start um, last week and had scored four goals, I think, uh, without even starting a match so far this year before. And... Other than that, I was having a really hard time thinking of players like that that were just your go-to super sub. Well, I don't think in MLS you really had the money for a super right. sub. Either you had someone that started for you or you didn't. Um, back a few years ago, and you, you've heard me you know, rattle on this, uh, Vicente Sanchez um, was one for the Rapids that I really I wanted them to start. And <clears throat> I kind of got why Oscar Perea used him more off the bench was he just wasn't – he wasn't worth playing 60 minutes and then subbing. Um, right. So he'd bring him in, you know, in, in the 60th or 70th minute and say, go crazy for, you know, however. But, you know, I, I think back to really the game against Seattle the, during the playoffs that they had, I think 2011, mm-hmm. he was just really, really good. And, you you know, we kind of joked and kind of got a little Twitter spat about, you know, who deserves to win a game. But, you know, Colorado, I thought, came out of that with um, with a lot of a lot of opportunities. And I'm very surprised um, that Sanchez, even going into the next season, didn't have more love. And with, you know, Preha being then going to Dallas, it, it changed mm-hmm. the dynamic. And so. I, I always think of when I think of super subs, that's who I kind of think of just because, you know, I started following MLS and, you know, Sounders fans can always get kind of get, you know, uh, a bad rap for joining MLS when MLS in 2009 with their team did. But, you know, for me, 
I fought, started following MLS when the Sonics left. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's, you know, that was an easy thing for me to kind of fill that hole with. Yeah, that's and, a good point. Right. And, you know, I watched MLS as a teenager. Um, I remember Carlos Valderrama. I remember, you know, different players, but I didn't follow it. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have this buy-in beforehand. And, you know, the Sounders being in A-League and in being in USL never was very interesting to me. So, but yeah, so you look at it. And the reason why I wanted to touch on this real fast is I made the decision to basically trade Abu Dinaldi for, uh, yeah, okay. Dina- yeah, for Kaká. And I looked at it as in, I think he's going to be really good down the road, but I don't have, like in this, in our league in construct, you can't keep players you really very easily. There's, there's a very uh, finite number you get to keep. And Kaká has just enough left in this tank, I feel, for this season. But even looking at last game, it almost looks like that's, that super sub is kind of what he's bound to go forward with. I almost think it's a role he's better suited for. So the question, yeah. And I agree with you. So, you know, the question is, is that something you start anyways and say, well, he's going to give you 40 minutes or, you know, 30 minutes. That's going to be really similar to what he'd give, you know, he'd give you 60 minutes of anyways. And I'm trying to parse that out. That is, that is my mental situation right now. Well, for you, a fantasy manager, or for Jason Christ, the, the soccer manager? I think for Jason Christ, the soccer manager, that's a no-brainer. Yeah. I, I don't think you can waste 60 minutes with him out there. I really don't. I think, the, I, I think you kind of start running into the uh, Pirlo concept mm-hmm. to where all of a sudden he goes off, and lo and behold, Maxi Morales actually is good. Yeah, he's great. So when we, him and, you know, uh, ring don't have like this hole that they're filling and yeah, now they, they can to, each right. They don't have to carry Pirlo's water and now they can move. It's really, really, it's astonishing difference. How, how, how much better that team is without Pirlo right now. So, but it sounds like you're kind of coming from a different perspective on this. Well, no, I mean, I, I think. You know what you said, like, OK, if you get Kaka, he's going to have. 30 good minutes and then 30 kind of blah minutes. And you can do that with the first 60 minutes, or you can wait and bring him on and he could have 30 good minutes at the end of the game, which for me, like, that's a no-brainer. But that well, being said... So, so you say it's a no-brainer. Which side, which end are you are you on for that? I, I think he should be coming off the bench. Okay. Uh, that being said, nobody's going to fire me if Orlando start losing games with Kaká on the bench. Uh, Jason Christ might not have that luxury. Like, if you've got this big star, big name, he's got your DP money, and you're benching him, and your team's not performing, like, that's a very obvious thing to point to and go, like, what's going on with this? Like, this is mismanagement, or this is a problem. And that creates a lot of pressure on him. Uh, so I can kind of also understand just maybe going with it. <laughs> <laughs> I've never I've never had a job with that much pressure, so I don't know. But, but I can see coming from, like, where he might feel a little bit cautious about making such a big and dynamic move like that for the team well all right so from a fantasy perspective the question then is do you start kakar do you just put him on your bench now uh for a fantasy perspective i probably wouldn't have just i probably wouldn't have obtained him uh but if you've got him and you want to really? use him 
Yeah. Really? So, so if you had that, if you were sitting in my shoes, you wouldn't have made that trade. For Don Lottie? Yeah. I don't remember what Don Lottie was on, but if it was low enough that it was going to be a good keeper for a year or two, I might, I probably would have held on to Don Lottie. Really? Okay. All right. Um, but I'd have to look at the exact numbers on it again. Yeah, uh, he, he was a little expensive. He was twenty. Oh, was he? he? At, yeah, he was at twenty dollars. Eh, that's going to be a tough one then, uh, especially because of his injury stuff. Uh, but for fantasy management, I mean, if you want to use him, I, I would definitely have him on the bench just kind of as a fallback. And you figure he's going to not just skip the whole game. Uh, so you're not likely going to get a zero on him either way. And he's the kind of guy that can come in and then do something or two in 30 minutes. So that would be my recommendation. Not that you not that you need it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of... Uh... Kind of, kind of just barely edging you out. And I made the joke earlier that you're sitting near the bottom. Really, the entire, our entire nerd league is is very tightly packed right now. I think everyone's five and six or six and five, except for like two people, three people. Well, three, three people. Yeah. Um, who you know you have Matt at the very top with Will Trap. Um, the the guy's eight and three, and then mm. at the very bottom you have poor David who's two and nine. And besides that, everybody else is like sandwiched in between. Yeah. Uh, so if you can hit the the tribute herd uh, once with your with your baton with your with your wind stick, um, you're good. Yeah, I feel like confident for the class era. <laughs> so let's good. let's let's talk let's talk gossip. Okay. Gossip. So that. earlier this week, um, all this stuff is coming out about. John Terry, who wants him? Is there a team that needs him? Actually, I don't think anyone ever asked, is there a team that needs him? There just was this resounding kind of MLS, no. Yeah. I think uh, a lot of fans were just kind of going, ah, this is going to be a thing. <laughs> right. Right. And now, I know exactly what they mean. Like, it's just... We signed this guy, and no matter how well he does, all I'm going to hear about is retirement league from Europeans for the next, you know, five months or so. And, and, and it's just going to, like, I just, uh, I'd rather just skip it. Well, yeah, there's, there's totally that. And I'm, I'm 100% on that, on that train. But the other side of it is he's got so much, like, off the field baggage. Yeah. That it, I mean, so Lampard had a little bit. Not nearly as much, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Pirlo has nice off the field baggage. Like it's, you know, it. it yeah, it's a good thing. Type, yeah. you know, what he all does. He's cool, right? Um, Gerard didn't have really any baggage except for that LA would end up being the only other team he played for, except for Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like uh, said, there's some t- like those. Some of those guys are cool, like. Terry's like, yeah, the the worst of both worlds. John Terry is not cool. Like, like I don't know. I mean, maybe some Chelsea fans are out there that, that think John Terry is cool. But outside of that demographic, I don't know anybody that can even that, that would like him the slightest bit. And I also just don't think he's got a lot going forward soccer wise. Like, I don't know. He'd obviously command a DP salary, so now you've got a DP center back. But that's only going to work in certain teams anyway. And then is he going to be better than? I mean, where would you put him? Now, see, that's – and that was my question to you because you watch way more European soccer than I do. Uh-huh. Let's say he says, 
I don't need a DP contract. Yeah. So we're talking less than a million dollars. We'll we'll say up upper tier. Uh-huh. Oh, uh huh. Oh. I will I will play for any team in MLS. Oh yeah, if I get to just just put him someplace. Is is there a team that could use him? Minnesota feel, probably could use him. Because see, like I feel like the whole this whole backlash of no on John Terry is right in so many different ways. But then the other side of me says, hmm. Could a team actually use him and maybe make him work? Because yeah. I feel MLS still has holes. Right. No, if money's no object, sure, we can find him a team that could use him. I, I'm just kind of speaking from the perspective of the type of club that would want to spend that kind of money to get a guy like that isn't the type of club that needs a center back DP that's that old. But if I could just put him on a team, Minnesota could use him. Uh, Houston. Columbus. Houston could probably use him. Columbus wouldn't say no. Uh, let me see. Uh, RSL probably City wouldn't would, say no. What, what do you What do you think about New York City? Whew. New York City's defense is a really confusing thing to me. Well, exactly. That's kind of my point. <laughs> I don't think. Yeah, I mean. I think Vieira would probably say no to that. Uh, I think Shamo and, and, and Kyans have looked better this year. I like Kyans a lot, but that's... I really do too, yeah. Um, I would say that that would be the type of place that most people would put him in their minds when they think of a John Terry landing in MLS. NYCFC seems like the kind of place he would go. But yeah, I don't think that would necessarily be a super great fit for them. Yeah, I, I mean, I just never really been a guy that likes to move the ball out of the back a lot. He's kind of a stalwart defender, and New York likes to get cute with the ball back there. And I think John Terry would not really do well with that style. So let's say Colorado. I... Yeah, I mean, if money's no object, I, could... I mean, if money's no object, I could put him on a lot of teams. It's. Well, okay, so you say money is no object. He's still taking up a TAM salary. So either he's the first three players off your bench or he's starting. And for me, like looking at it from – I know we were doing all this stuff with Colorado the other day. But uh, (laughs) like looking at it from the perspective of just throwing him in Axel Sorber's position um, because I I don't know how long is he out for. He's out for a bit still. Yeah, and so just like the my thought process is, you know, even though they only have seven points in eleven games, maybe that help that maybe you can buy some of that back. Is but when you look at Colorado, I, I don't. I mean, that just seems like such a weird place to spend resources though on defense right now. Oh, I would agree with you. Yeah, I'm just um, I'm just try, yeah, I'm trying I mean, to come up with something. Just looking at teams that give up points due to bad center backing sometimes. Yeah, I guess in Minnesota would probably be the first place I'd send him. Yeah, uh, that's fair. Go there. Houston's another one I think could use uh, a center back like that possibly. Uh, he's a little slow for their kind of counter game, but um, I think that's a, a position of strength. I don't I don't necessarily think that that's the type of player that that ownership wants though right now. But again, this is just me. Just no, I, I think that yeah. you're right, and and I think that. <laughs> We can kind of all agree that we're really glad that there's there is a breaking point for MLS. Like, no, we're good. Like, it, yeah. it just it just got <clears throat> too much. 
Like MLS has constantly their eyes on what can we do to market our league better, to value our league better, to increase tickets. And they looked at John Terry and were like, nope. Yeah, there's so. there's not a lot of markets you could put him in where his cash particular uh, sort of reputation and, and, and uh, you know, cachet, if you will, uh, would, would move the needle a lot more than it's already been moved. I guess I'd say that. There's so, very little soccer. You, yeah, I think we're in agreement. Sure. Yes. If I could, if I could put him in to fill in for a couple teams right now that need a center back due to injury, sure. Could I find a couple teams that could use him on a lower salary? Definitely. But is he going to be a big marquee guy for this league? I really, really hope not. <laughs> right. And I, I, it sounds like from what uh, Taylor Twelman was tweeting out, that's not going to be the case. Yeah, I don't think um, there's a lot just there. So uh, a player that has been rumored, just like Terry, over the last, um, I don't know, year and a half, is uh, Kaiuska Honda. I don't know if I said uh, that. Kai- Kaisuki Honda, yeah. Kaisuki. Yeah. I better get used to saying that. That's <laughs> yeah, I guess he's coming. Uh yes. Uh Honda to the Sounders. This this old rumor. Um He said goodbye to AC Milan. Like he he put it out on, on Twitter and they they've they've had well, this, you know, pretty public shipping off. Oh yeah, there was no chance he was going back to play for them again. Um as it were. Like people have, you know, he was actually supposed to the story, like before this window, primary window closed, was that he was going to come even earlier. Uh, AC Milan was just going to let him out of his contract because, you know, they, they weren't getting anything from him. He wasn't playing. He wasn't contributing significant minutes, and it just seemed like it'd be easier just to let him go and come to Major League Soccer. And then they had an ownership change, and I don't know where that broke down or if that was ever really a thing. Uh, but definitely, he was always going to go. So just because he's waved to AC Milan fans doesn't mean I expect to see him at SeaTac or anything. Uh, but the Sounders are the team that keeps getting linked with him. So I, I, I don't think either one of us really like this move, though, from from that perspective. I think that there's better targets for the Sounders. And I think that the target that they need right now is either go ahead and grab another striker or grab somebody who's a legitimate winger, somebody that's going to give you width and they're going to come at you from that wide position. And I'd prefer it to come from that uh, – from well, actually, you know what? Just get us a winger. That's that's kind of <laughs> that's what a winger. <laughs> I just, you know what? It, well, because look, I don't think Jordan Morris is very good out uh, up top. I think that he's a little indecisive when it comes to taking shots. Um, and to be perfectly honest, I would much rather have Will Bruin up top right now. Um, and I really would like to see Ladero get moved back into the middle. Um, if that's moving Dempsey back up to the top in place of or with Will Bruin, um, and then getting another winger in place of Ladero out wide, that's what I would like to see. I mean, Ladero does a lot of moving. He doesn't stay out wide. I would like to have either a winger that does that or, or even like a fullback. If you went to like wing backs, like I threw out on Twitter, you know, a couple of days ago, mm-hmm. um, I think that that's what you're looking at. And I don't think Honda gives you that. From everything I've, I've said, I've seen, he likes to play central. He doesn't stay out wide. He doesn't give teams the width, at least in the past. I I just read a lot of um, – that seems to be a very common thread that I've read among uh, fans that of teams that he was a part of. I think if you look at 
Honda's particular skill set that is prodigious. I mean, he's a he's a very talented player. He doesn't offer you anything that you don't already have with Lodero. And he also kind of has problems with injuries, which is another kind of injury prone DP is not something I think the Seattle Sounders, you know, need it, need to get more of. Um, yeah, I just don't see it being a great fit. That being said, they might have other, uh, thoughts on the matter. I, you know, I can't ever guess what's going on in Garth's head or Brian Smetzer's head. And if they want to come up with a different kind of formation, this is the guy they need to unlock it. Then maybe it's a good move for all involved, but just, from a purely, like, I'm looking at this from way far away without any good sense of details, it doesn't look like a good deal for my eyesight. No, sure. Um, another play that's been rumored, rumored for at least the last few months, uh, Jonathan Dos Santos looks to be headed to Italy. Yeah. Uh, not MLS, which totally helps all of us out um, because someone <laughs> already owns his rights in the league. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so uh, also... Uh, Andreas Guardado looks like he's headed they, – they keep being rumored. I've seen this pop up a couple times over the last couple months to the New York Red Bulls. Um, I don't know what that – how valid that is. Um, it seems like there seems to be more authenticity being uh, given to it at this point in time. But uh, what do you think about uh, – Gordardo going out to the Red Bulls. You, you talked about earlier about them needing more help for uh, for BWP. I could see it working. Um, Gordardo is a great player. I mean, Marsh is very kind of. I, I don't. I don't know exactly where Marsh would use him if he stays with his current system or if he leans back into that four-two-two-two thing again. Um, having said, he's. The guy would be a handful in MLS. I mean, I'd, I'd pick him up. Well, I think he kind of plays into that style that Marsh likes to, right? That upbeat, constantly attacking, mm-hmm. constant pestering. Mm-hmm. You know, he plays out there on the left side. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. He's, he's somebody that's definitely going to be uh, an impact wherever – if he were to come to MLS. Um, another kind of random one that I had no idea was a real rumor, but uh, Ryan Jack – uh, the center, uh, central defender for um, Aberdeen over in the Scottish League, uh, not Aberdeen, Washington. Uh, right. Over the, yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> right, right. We're, we're talking across the water over the Scots. Um, rumored to be with uh, headed over to the Rangers or Columbus Crew, um, which seems really odd. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you know anything about this rumor. Um, the only thing I've seen is like the hashtag shadow recruit, which is the play, you know, replay on the reverse Jack Ryan. Right. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, Ryan Jack's a great name, great soccer name. I like it. Uh, he's actually not a center back. He's kind of more of a midfielder. Oh, is he? Okay. Yeah. My, my mistake. And from what I know about him and it's, it's, I have not seen much of this guy because I, I don't watch a lot of this guy's Premier League, but he is kind of more box-to-box, maybe with a more emphasis on defense. Uh, he's youngish, you know, mid-20s. I, hey, do it. Go ahead, Columbus. If, if you're going to bring him in, I, it's worth a look at that. I like the profile of that kind of player, uh, especially for that team. You know, it could turn into another Sean Maloney thing, but... I don't necessarily think that's a that's a fair comparison. I'd, I'd be very no, curious to see how that how that goes on. I think he's the kind of guy that you could slot in 
and he could kind of carry a lot of defensive order right now. He's still got Higai in and could probably trans at some point in his career kind of uh, change a little bit and maybe become more attack-minded as well. So there's a lot to be done with that if you can sign him to a long-term deal. So I didn't know that this was also another thing, but uh, I guess uh, Jao Plata going to Liga MX. Really? I didn't that's that's a that's a that's a that's current a rumor. Okay. That's, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, you got you got Brooks Lennon, and yeah, yeah the, this whole consistent um, he's been bad this year type thing, and and he, he I guess he violated one of the team rules when he missed either his flight got delayed or he missed a flight coming back home from uh, being on vacation during you know the middle of the week. Um, yeah. So he violated team rules and Petkey like got really angry about it. Yeah, I mean if the offer is good, I'd take it. So it's kind of kind of interesting. He's somebody yeah. I felt like uh, has not necessarily got his uh, due from uh, from the rest of the league. Um, a no, he's really a very, good young player. Yeah, he's a good player. I, I don't know that RSL is going to be the place where we see him shine. Um. So, yeah, I wouldn't – I mean, if they were interested in moving him, I think there'd be a lot of interested parties. I'm really surprised no one in MLS is – Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, this is where having all that extra TAM, like, uh, you know, honestly, looking at – we just talked about Honda, but, like, if you're Seattle and you're like, you know, I could throw, throw Morris on the other wing, throw Plata down the left side. Yeah. Give you, give you, you know – 400 tam and then you're not having to pay down Ozzy's salary for you know that might be more reasonable not to you know yeah that could be a good stopgap for uh waiting for you know slots to clear up elsewhere yeah i can see that being a good move for people <laughs> aka involved. hoping dempsey retires <laughs> i mean yeah if, i mean he's the next one to go probably him or ozzy just i don't know what their their career futures hold for them after this season but you got to think that you're not going to be seeing both of them again so uh, one, two other uh, notes there. Josh Sargent looks like he's headed off to uh, Warner Bremen. Is that uh-huh. correct? That is correct. So like you know, we kind of t- discussed this very in, in no certain terms. I played around with the idea of an MLS team giving him kind of like a pseudo Jordan Morris esque contract. Um, not obviously not as large, but. Something that says, "Hey, stay here in MLS. We want, we want our young stars to stay here, or at least develop here." Yes. Um, yeah. There's so many. There's so many strings though attached to that. Yeah. Right. Like, is, how many minutes does he get? Where does he play? Yeah, I mean, you have to put him. Like, I guess I assume he'd be a an SKC guy, right? Right. Sure. So, I mean. Let's say you're Peter Vermees. So he goes to Swoop Park for two years? Yeah, he's going to Swoop Park or something. I mean, is that – would I rather him go to Warner Bremen than Swoop Park? Yeah, kind of. A lot. Uh, I think now, is that it, is that the your U.S. men's national team hat on or – It's just my – yeah, my, 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 my American soccer fan hat, I guess, is it where I like to see these players. I think Seattle was the right move for Jordan Morris over Werder Bremen, uh, mostly because I think that's really where Jordan Morris wanted to be. I don't think Sargent's mind is in that same place right now. I think he, he really wants to be in Europe and just throwing him on Swilt Park Rangers for a couple hundred K a year. 
might be somewhat detrimental to his career. I mean, I think if he's good enough to go out there and they want him and he's going to play there, I'm all for it. Yeah, I I don't have any issues with that whatsoever. Um, I'm using Josh Sargent in this case as as completely just someone that just had a lot of success at the U or is having a lot of success at the U20 level. U20? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that what he's at? Yeah. Um, and he's having all this success right now. Looks incredibly promising. MLS should be like this. Should be the home. I, we're, we're, the league's trying to involve younger players, more marketable players that can be sold on at a profit. Right. If wanna, you're competing wanna... with Bundesliga for that same with that same premise, why why are they stealing players away from us? What are they doing better than than we are? And if there is a, obviously a huge, lot of different answers to that. Yeah, I mean, but, it's, it's a whole different podcast. Like, not just one episode of it. That, right. Separate podcast. Um, but I'm just saying, is there – is it valid to start trying to overpay some of these young kids to get them to stay? I guess that's that's the real question that I'm I'm trying to get to. If I'm – if I'm looking at this from the perspective of Don Garber or Major League Soccer as an entity and a brand, sure, yeah, it'd be great to keep some of these kids around. If I'm looking at this as we'll use Josh or Sergeant again as an example, Peter Vermees, uh, this you know maybe this kid's good, maybe he's not ready, you know, but his kid this is going to be a problem for me, like with people the pressure to get him involved, and then you look at it from the picture of Josh Sergeant, and I think. He, Europe just has a lot more glamour to it. I mean, I, I think it's hard no, to imagine. that's totally fair. I mean, just, it's kid. You kid, you got a big team in the Bundesliga trying to come get you. Like, of course, that's going to turn your head. Um, and I think MLS has a very long way to go where even, you know, throwing a couple of hundred, a couple extra hundred K at them is going gonna, is gonna to turn that head, uh, you know, the chance to go do something like that in, in the Bundesliga. So last, last real topic here. Old Kyle Laren, as as uh, he was once called, Kyle Laren. Yes. <laughs> yes. Dear uh, Kyle. Uh, so, Kyle Laren, um, what is happening? Because it feels like for five days there's nothing but transfer rumors, and then it stops for two days, and we just wait for him to score another goal, and then we start back up. Yeah. It's true, and I have to imagine that this is a situation where Orlando City is still kind of a relatively young club. Um, You know, the owner, I think this is his first soccer team. You don't want to get this one wrong, and there are a lot of ways to do that. And so I think everyone is just trying to be very, very cautious about how they proceed with this with this transaction because it's potentially going to be like a big financial windfall for Orlando uh, or it's going to turn out looking like they got fleeced. Uh, I think Kyle has gone on record that he wants to move to Europe. I think probably if I were him, I'd want to do it sooner rather than later. And I don't know. You got to hope Laren has a very good rest of the season. If you're Orlando and you plan on keeping him until the end of the year and that he stays healthy 
Uh, but right now, I think probably his transfer value is about as high as it's going to be coming out of MLS. So here, here's the other side of the coin. You sell him. <laughs> Can you still be what you are right now? Because right now what they are is maybe one of the top five teams in MLS. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, I'm a little uncomfortable with saying, and I think that that's really early conjecture. Uh, I don't think that some of the underlying numbers quite bears that out. Yeah. But, you you know, they've had this success. Are are they are they going to continue to have that if they if they sell Laren? I, I'm not entirely certain. I mean, they're still going to have some of the defense, but even the defense, I feel, is kind of uh, overperformed a little bit. Yeah, uh, a little more suspect at times. Yeah, I mean, they only have you know they've have 17 against them. They have 14 in expected goals. So I mean, obviously the defense is there, but how long? Like, they've just changed. It's very few teams just change defensively. Right. Yeah. Oh, they Colorado's always kind of had a defensive esque look to it. They just finally got it right last year. Yeah. Exactly. And they're still decent. They're still a decent defensive team. Mm-hmm. They just have no attack. Yeah. Orlando scares me because if you take that away, that attack away and you have this agent Kaka, well, that's really great for next off season. Or for the next 18 months to where you have this windfall, two empty DP spots, and you have a billionaire owner. But what happens to your season in which you're currently sitting third? And have a good opportunity to take a shot at MLS Cup in the next, you know, nine months. Yeah, that's the that's the deal. And that is uh, the biggest frustration, I think, with... Uh, you know, these sort of schedules being on different terms is that, you know, it's not like in the rest of the world where everyone's just kind of off at the same time and leaving at the end of the year. It's just leaving at the end of the year. That's when you leave and you join other teams. Uh, if I'm Orlando, I mean, I, 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 I would love to hang on to him till the end of the year. I'd love to say, Kyle, as soon as this year is over, you know, we're going to take the best offer we can get for you. We're going to find you that move you want, but we need to finish this year. Uh, the problem with, you know, Major League Soccer, you're just not going to be able to replace him. You can't just go, oh, okay, well, we'll have money, so we'll just spend it on another DP kind of Ford guy or whatever, and then he'll come in and he'll score all those goals. Like, you're not going to get the bang for the buck that you get with Kyle Aaron. Um, anywhere, maybe ever again, as an organization. That's a very rare thing to have that kind of talent at that low uh, contract number. So, uh, yeah, I'd absolutely do everything I could to try to keep him to stay. But I think it's going to be hard. I think there's going to be a lot of pressure from his, from Laren's camp to, to make the move, and I don't blame them at all. If you if you are the Orlando, and I, I honestly I agree, I think that they're going to basically try to, to sell him on. And, you know, I think that's in the best interest of all the parties. But if you're going to try to keep him, wouldn't you have already done that? Yeah, I would have him on another. Like, I think I read that they, they, the owner came out and said, "Look, we want to offer him another contract. If he wants to sit down and discuss his future, I guess that hasn't happened. So I don't think he wants to sit down and discuss his future. I think his his eyes are already across the ocean." No, I think that's fair. All right, well, uh, that's kind of it. That's 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 our show. Um, yeah, come back. There's going to be more. 
Um, Ian, you want to you wanna say goodbye? Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening. All right. And until next time. Shut your face, high school jerks. We're about to show you how this.